this week, um, we're really privileged to have a, um, a very special guest preacher with us this morning, Andy Pickett. Um, Andy and um, Diana, um, we've walked through um, on this kingdom journey with Andy and Diana for, oh, 10 years? Yeah, at least 10 years, eh? Yeah. Um, Trent and I have always really enjoyed um, many a weekend away with them and other kingdom leaders. Um, not so much since COVID, but um, prior to COVID, we used to get together quite regularly and um, just chew the cud and um, just celebrate God's goodness. Andy and Diana are the senior leaders of Bethel Church in Whangarei, and um, we just love their heart to see Jesus made famous, to lift Jesus up in, um, in that area and in the nation of New Zealand and beyond. So um, one of the things, you know, just was really special, um, ooh, was really special when Trent got sick. Well, it wasn't really special when Trent got sick. <laughs> but when Trent got sick, one of the things that was really special was that, um, yeah, it's better, it's the right way around. Um, Andy rang up and he just said, how can we serve you? How can we help? And just his, their generosity of spirit and just being willing to, to come at, at their cost and just serve us here at Liberty. And so we really honour you for that, Andy. And um, thank you for coming. And we look forward to what God's going to say through you this morning. Hey, thank you, guys. Uh, thank you. Whoa! This pulpit, I love it. Spirit. Spirit is just written on this pulpit. Just, wow. Hey, uh, Holy Spirit is so good. Um, it is an honor for me to, and a privilege for me to come and serve. So my great joy to be here. I feel humbled to have the honor and the privilege of sharing in this great house with a hundred-year heritage of God and a well of God in Auckland and all the people over 100 years that have been raised up out of this church, out of this house. This is good stock, good heritage, good stock for me to come and invest into. Um, and so it is my great joy to be here. I love you, Sue. I love Trent. I don't know if Trent's watching, but if you are, Pastor Trent, love you. So much respect in my heart for Trent and Sue, uh, man and woman of God in our nation, uh, believing God for good things. So I feel uh, for me that it is a privilege to come and just serve. Um, so an honor to be here with you today. I can feel the Holy Spirit in the worship. Thank you so much, worship team, for leading us and all the sound team and all the words and everything. Just want to say thank you. Whew. And I can, I can feel the Holy Spirit in the house. Yeehaw. Anything can happen when the Holy Spirit is in the house. Uh, um, thank you, Kevin, for leading that transition. Um, just, I know you've been um, ministering, you've been doing a series, a preaching series. Thank you so much. Really, it's easy for me to come down from Whangarei to be here. It was a beautiful drive this morning. Glorious, the mist, the blue sky. Um, it's very easy for me to come down because I believe in the destiny over this house. I believe in the people of this house. Uh, you've been believing God for great things in our nation for many, many years now. 
And uh, so I love to come and be a part of what you're doing. I think there's a significant mark and call of Jesus upon the people of Liberty Church right here in Auckland. So um, I'm going to come down. I like to be with you. I'm just going to make sure that my Bible is close to me. Um, oh, yeah, if you could bring the, that down, then I can. I just love your pulpit with the word spirit on it. It gave me a, gave me a little jolt just looking at that. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Um, we're going to get into the scriptures. We're going to get into First Kings. Uh, we'll be in chapter 19. And I want to share a few testimonies before I, I open up the word. Um, we've been, yeah, we've been uh, emerging out of the caves from COVID-19 and uh, just wanting to, longing to be a great commission church that doesn't just confess Jesus with our mouth, but honors Him by being obedient to the Great Commission. And um, so just going out again into our streets, into our suburbs. And I spoke with uh, a wonderful woman of God in our church. Um, I asked her, who do you really, who do you feel like you're called to? She says, I just feel so called to reach lost people, Andy. I just feel so called to the lost. And I feel called to tangata whenua and um, to, to reach my brothers and sisters. And uh, so I said to her, her name is Angela, Angela, whatever it costs in Jesus, whatever the price, we're going. Let's go. I'll come with you. Don't call, I said to her, don't call me Pastor Andy anymore. Call me Midwife Andy. Because <laughs> my job now is to birth that dream into a reality. I'll go with you out into the streets. And um, I... I love prayer walking as well. I love praying outdoors, and I love space, and I also love praying in areas, um, and what happens is as I pray in those areas, I just can't help myself. I find the intensity of the burn in my heart increases if I'm praying in an area, and I was praying around a gang area in our, in our city, just run with the black power. And as I was walking past a set of flats, maybe 30 flats, all housing New Zealand flats, uh, addicted to drugs, alcohol, gang stuff going on, drug deals, all that kind of stuff going on, the Lord spoke to me and said, the people that sit in darkness have seen a great light. And so I felt, you know what? I have a rhema word. I have a word from God that the people that sit in darkness in this place have seen a great light. So in that rhema word, God, I've been taught that everything I need, all the grace of God, with a rhema word, nothing is impossible. And so I said to Angela, Angela, I'll go with you. Let's go into that gang area. And she says, sign me up. Let's go. She said, let's, let's go. So our first outreach was about, I don't know, six, five or six weeks ago. And uh, I had planned to meet with her at the shops in this suburb. And uh, at, 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 what time was it? 11.45. Well, at 11.15, my fr uh, another person in our church gives me a call. says, hey, Andy, his name's Stephen. Hey, Andy, um, we just got given a whole bunch of muesli bars. Like, I'm talking boxes and boxes, Andy. Um, do you 
do, do you want them? Can you use them? I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm just about to go out on the streets, first time in a little while. Um, yes, I need these boxes of muesli bars. And so at 11.30, he dropped off the muesli bars. I loaded up a boot carload of muesli bars, and I quickly drove up to these shops in this suburb and met with Angela, and we had a box each of these muesli bars. And we parked it this, outside this, this marae there, and um, I open up the boot, I hold the box, and there's a man walking across the, uh, across the parking lot. And uh, full tattooed man, he has tattoos all up on his neck, all up his ears, but man, his face was soft, eh? His face was soft. And... Uh, we walked up to him and he said, what are you guys doing? <laughs> and we said, we are giving away muesli bars. Do you want some? Put out your hands. And we started giving him some of these muesli bars. And he said to us, wow. Uh, he says, uh, I've been studying the Bible lately. We're like, oh, wow, that's amazing. Well, that's it. That, that makes life easy. This is the first guy. First time I'm doing evangelism with Angela. God has a, has a way of making things easy sometimes, you know, like, just making it a joy for you sometimes. And, but he said, uh, yeah, in this Bible study, they've been teaching us that, you know, this church that I've been going to, um, that Jesus was meant to uh, preach for 40 years, but he only preached for three. And some Korean leader preached for the final 37. And I'm like, oh, well, one of the reasons why, like, God has got us here is to let you know that that's a cult. <laughs> that's a cult, man. And... Uh, uh, and um, we just started chatting with him. And as what, what took place is my ears, as we're just talking with him, my ears started going all warm. And sometimes that is a word of knowledge. And I said to him, man, and I took a guess. I said to him, man, do you have ringing in your ears? something going on with your ears? He said, no, I don't have ringing in my ears. It's deafness. My right ear is pretty close to deaf. And I said to him, okay, well, let's test it out, man. So why don't you put, this is just on the streets, outside this marae, in this gang suburb. And I said, why don't you put one of your fingers in your ear? And I said, testing, testing. Put the, put the finger in the other ear, testing, testing. Just check the volume level. See what the difference is. And we got that right. And then we just began to pray. He takes off his hat. And we begin to pray. And as we pray, I have a flash vision. And the flash vision is of his, is of his ear canals opening up. And something happened in that vision of his ear canals opening up. Somehow that released a gift of faith. And now I thought it would be impossible for this person to not get healed. And so I said to him, um, after we finished praying, hey, let's test it out. So block your ear, testing, testing, one, two, three, testing, testing, one, two, three. He changed his fingers on his ear and then washing his face. Seeing that face, that healed face. As he said, wow. It's, he said, it's almost the same. He says, it's almost the same as the other ear. And I said, isn't that amazing? And he's like, yes, that's amazing. We began to praise Jesus together with his hat off. He lifts up his hands. We're praising Jesus in the parking lot. And then he says, 
oh, I saw a miracle once. I said, oh, that's amazing. He said, yeah, on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, I watched it on YouTube. But he said, but I've never had one in my life like I've experienced now. And I just began to just encourage him, prophesy over him a little bit more. And how many know sometimes it takes a little while for the anointing of heaven to do its work. And sometimes we just need to spend a little bit more time in the anointing for the anointing to complete the healing. And as I said to him, hey, why don't we just test it out one more time? We tested it out again. He said, I am completely healed. And that was, that was the first miracle, the first encounter of our first outreach, like the first person we talked to in our first outreach for months. And so Angela and I were like giggling little boy and girl, just, oh God, that is so amazing. Oh my goodness. Woohoo. And uh, just seeing God doing such wonderful things. And then, um, and, and normally what will happen is as we go out leaning in on things like the word of knowledge and these, these, these gifts of the Spirit that God gives us to open up people's hearts so that the glorious gospel of Jesus can get into their hearts. But the Spirit began to talk to me about, uh, I, when I'd go into that, the gang area, I'd ask our intercessors, can you please cover me? Please, can I have your prayers for protection, please? And uh, also pray for miracles. But the Spirit of God convicted me and challenged me and said, Andy, you're asking your intercessors to pray more protective and defensive prayers than you are attacking and offensive prayers. And uh, I was reminded of something that I read about when that John G. Lake wrote, that you never ever, when Jesus said that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church, that he will build his church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against that church, right? You guys with me on that? Well, you never ever hear of an army that is preparing itself in its city and being mustered and then taking screwdrivers and wrenches and unscrewing the gates from their city and then taking the gates from their city out with them onto the field of battle. That, that is ridiculous. That is not what armies do. And so Jesus is serving his church with a vision for us to embed into our spirits that it is not so much that hell is attacking the church. It is more a picture of the church coming up against the gates of hell. And when the church attacks, the gates of hell will not prevail. Anyone with me on that? And so I love protective and defensive prayers. But it better not stop there. Otherwise, we need to really assess the vision that Jesus gave us of who the church is, an attacking church. And so I said to our intercessors, let's pray some more attacking prayers. And uh, so we had a prayer meeting in the morning, and we went out again into the gang area straight after the church had been praying the best attacking prayers that we could 
uh, hear from the Lord and prophesy forth. Let miracles, signs and wonders take place, God. Let your church advance. Let the kingdom come forth into that area. Let Jesus' name be glorified. Let people be touched by the power of God, Patolo. And so the second, about two, two or three weeks ago, I walked out into that area off the back of a church that was praying attacking prayers. And normally, I'm used to the breakthrough happening through things like the word of knowledge. My, my ability to lean in to allow the Spirit to do words of knowledge and prophecy and gifts of healing, etc. But this time... With attacking prayers, it was different. I'd had a friend text me also an attacking prayer. It was, I pray that this, the smell of the barbecue, I went to the area with a barbecue. Why did I go into the area with a barbecue? Let me tell you the story of why I entered into the suburb with a barbecue. Because um, I was talking to a mature man. He was drinking his beers. He was a little bit intoxicated on not the right stuff. It's perfectly good to be intoxicated on the right stuff. That is the love of God and the Spirit of God. He was not intoxicated on that stuff. He was intoxicated on alcohol. And he said to me, look, he found out my name was Andrew and uh, Andy, and he said, your name is Anaru. And uh, I said, yeah, I'm from, my ancestry is from um, Scotland. So he was saying, you're Anaru from Scotland. <laughs> and, uh, but he said this, the reason why I haven't told you to beep off and get out of here is because before I saw you and before I began talking to you, I felt your presence. I'm like, Look at him a bit funny. I'm like, this sounds like Star Wars. I said to him, this sounds a bit like Star Wars. And he says, yeah, I felt your presence and I could feel the aroha. And I turned and I saw you, but I felt your presence first. And so I said to him, matua, this show of respect and honor, matua, how would you feel if I brought a barbecue into this area and we had some sausages? And he said, Bring the kai. So I, I had protocol. I had like protocol had opened up me to be able to come into these flats and set up a barbecue because this matua had this uh, had opened up the door for me to do it. So I brought my barbecue into the area. Now I put it. Outside a woman's house, who the two or three previous times I'd been in there was absolutely like anti Christ, anti Jesus. Whenever I'd talk with someone, um, and they'd say, Hey, are you from the church? I'd be like, Yes, I'm from church. They'd be like, What church? Yeah, I'm from Bethel Church. And then the next thing you know, she'd get up, grumble, muttering about how she doesn't like the church, and just go off. So she was openly anti Christ. I said, excuse me, fire, can I please um, put the barbecue out, outside your house? She said, sure you can. <laughs> sure you can. And um, no, normally she's just against the things of God. But this day, after the saints had prayed attacking prayers, as soon as I 
set up the barbecue. She thought, well, there's going to be Kai had here. We need to pray. She said, can we please pray? Isn't that amazing? That someone that is anti-Jesus, anti-Christ, walking away grumbling says, can we please pray? So I said to um, Angela, who I'm discipling, who I'm raising up, who I'm not wanting to do all this stuff and just let her be a spectator. I wanted to empower. I said, Angela, you pray. So we're in this house. A few, the, the week before, I couldn't be in that house because the fumes of the marijuana was so strong that, that I would have been as high as a kite on the wrong stuff. I am as high as a kite. Like, honestly, I, ha- I, I walk into that place in a cushion of God's presence. Feeling and experiencing God's presence. But there was no marijuana that being smoked there that, that day. And um, so we're in the house. So Angela, you pray. There's this other woman there. And Angela begins to pray, Father, your love. Father, your great love. Thank you, God. Bless this community. Bless this house, Father. Pour out your great love, a simple prayer of the love of God. And normally I'm expecting prophecy to drop, word of knowledge to drop, healing to drop when the prayer has opened up like that. But nothing comes, no word of knowledge, no prophecy. We wait. They say, all say, amen. We wait. 30 seconds later, this woman just begins to cry. She just begins to sob. And she's sobbing. And tears, you know, like there's sobbing where like the tears begin to roll. And then there's sobbing where the tears are streaming down the face. But then there's this other sobbing where it actually just flies off. (laughs) It flies out from their eyes. And she just goes, I am in so much pain. I've been so hurt. And she's sobbing. And and this woman, other woman says, Oh my goodness, I've never seen her open up like this. And she says to us, I've never opened up like this in my whole life. I'm just so hurt. And then in the same breath, she says, I just need God. With through tears, I just need to see God. Something like a deep, deep heart cry. I just need to see God. And I got to say to her, just, I don't know what to do. I'm just put out my hand sort of gently like, you know, she's sobbing like, oh my goodness, you know, we love you. God's here. And, and, and we're able to minister God to her, her heart. And I saw her a week later. I saw her one week later. And I walked past her and I'm like, kia ora. And uh, she looks at me. And she smiles. And I think, oh man, something's happened here. Because there's peace. She's got nice, nicer clothes. She's done her hair. I feel love. Just coming out of her eyes. It's good to see you. She just, she lifts up both her hands. And she says, praise the Lord. I say to her, you, you look like, you're experiencing peace and love. And she says, I am. I've been in karakia, in prayer. I've been in prayer to Jesus in the mornings. She says, um, you know what? Every morning at 10 o'clock, I find a, a beer in my hand. 
But for the last few days, I just, there's just been no desire for a beer. I said, when, when, did, that, when did that happen? She said, seven days ago, <laughs> when you were last here. And then, so in that same encounter, after when we're in the house and she breaks down, I, we just minister to her. I walk out from the house and the barbecue's on, flipping, I'm just flipping sausages just to serve this community, love on them, give them something simple, $36 of sausages and $5 of bread. And uh, I'm asking the Lord for words of knowledge for with hobbies. Ask the Lord for words of knowledge for hobbies. Hey, you're a really good diver. You know, I see talking to this rangatira. Hey, you're a, I bet you you were a great diver. He says, yes, I was a great diver. I'm talking to him. Now, remember, I've got this text saying, saying, uh, well, this is what the, the, the prayer in the morning was. I pray that as the smell of the barbecue would draw bodies to, to you, I also pray that the aroma of heaven would grip hearts and draw them to Jesus. And so, as I'm talking to this person about diving, this rangatira about diving, I hear this voice in in my peripheral. This woman comes up, maybe 30 years old. She's got a pink tracksuit on, and she says this. So I'm just talking, and she goes, I, she's, this is what she says, I smell Jesus on you. And I, I'm like, my, my brain slowly registered because I was talking to someone else. She says, I smell Jesus on you. And I'm like, I don't know what to think. I was like, maybe she's mocking me. She's pro- probably mocking me. But I'm just sort of half ignoring this, and I want to engage and show honor and respect to this person in front of me. And then she says this, and oh my goodness, it smells so good. And I thought, well, I've just been in a circle sitting with these guys who are smoking cigarettes. I didn't have any myself. And uh, I've got the smell of the barbecue on me, and I didn't wear any perfume today. Um, something's going on. And then every now and again, like what will happen is it's like I, it's like I go into a dream. It's like the matrix. It's like this... Whoosh. And I felt that sense of like a dream. I'm in a dream. And uh, I thought, whoa, I'm, I'm tripping out. So I'm just going to go back to my barbecue and flip some sausages <laughs> and just to sort of assess what to do here. And um, I overhear that she's from this area up, um, up in the Hokianga. And uh, so I say to her, oh, you're from Mortiti? And she says, yes, I am. And so I, I go and talk to her. And I and I. And I She's, she just starts confessing her sin to me. I've done nothing. I've just been, she says, I just want to, I really want to give up alcohol. I really, really want to give up alcohol. I say to her, what, why, what's the number one reason that you want to give up alcohol? She says, for my children. And she says that, my neck goes all stiff. My head goes all woozy. I realize it's a word of knowledge for her. And I say, this might sound a bit strange, but do you have a really stiff neck? She says, for the last one year, I've had a stiff neck. And sometimes I can't even walk because I get so dizzy because I was in a car crash one year ago. And it was a wake-up call. I'm so glad that I'm alive. 
I'm so glad that all my children are alive. I could have died. The only reason I didn't die is because I saw that we had lost control. I reached back to try and protect my children. And where my head was, the tree smashed through the window of the door. I still hit the tree. It still, it still injured me really badly, but my children all survived and I survived. And I said to her, well, the reason why like, God spoke to me about your neck is because he loves you and he sees you. And I think because he wants to heal you. And she says, well, here's the funny thing. Something like this anyway. I can't forget the exact, I, I forget the exact what she said. She said, here's the thing. As I was talking to you, I noticed that all my neck pain left. Did you notice that I reached out and touched your arm? I said, yeah, I did notice you reached out and touched my arm. She said, that's because I wanted to fully make sure that I didn't lose the fact that my neck had been completely healed. I don't need, she said, I don't need any prayer. I'm healed. How crazy is that? Now, that, that is not Andy Piggott. That is the prayers of the saints. I just got to be on the front row seat of seeing what happens when the church prays attacking prayers. When the church doesn't get, just gets out of just the protective, defensive stance into the, let's go. Let's pray for God to move. Let's expect God moving in the streets. So I'm sharing that with you because uh, I just wanted to share those testimonies because it's Jesus, man. It was, I just get to see Jesus doing stuff and you guys get to see Jesus doing stuff and I want to give glory to Jesus. He is alive and well and moving, I tell you, through the saints and working together with the evangelists, working with the prayers. And everyone, everyone. What? First Kings 19. I, I also, I've been seeking the Lord on, you know, how many know we've just had the most crazy, like, weather. We've had earthquakes. We've just come out from COVID. How many know, like, I don't know if, it, um, but I know there was the flooding in Auckland. And uh, I, I hope that all of your, your homes we're okay and that you've recovered from that. And uh, if you haven't, my heart really does go out to you. Um, but we had Cyclone Gabriel. And that was at the back of, we didn't even really have a summer. I was so excited for summer. I wanted summer. It never came. It just rained and rained and rained and rained and broke record after record after record. And then Cyclone Gabriel, and when Cyclone Gabriel came, um, you know, it didn't make the front pages of the news, but there was, there was like many earthquakes at the same time as it was careering down to Hastings. There was earthquakes happening, reported by 10,000 plus tens of thousands of New Zealanders taking place. And I was just thinking, what on earth is going on? <laughs> Like, this is sort of getting my attention, God. Something's happening. Like, and I'm also aware that in the Bible, whenever there are major transitions, major, like, shifts in 
eras where, for example, like the judges would be an example. That was a 400, three to 400 year era. And it was going to shift into another era, the era of the kings, which is going to be another three or 400 year era. I'm not talking seasons. Seasons are cyclical. I'm talking eras. Whenever there are major era, E-R-A, shifts, it is, whenever we read our scriptures, it is accompanied by weather events or plagues or earthquakes. I'm not saying God's causing it. You didn't hear me say God's causing it. But what I am saying is whenever you discover major era shifts in the scriptures, you will also be reading about either plagues, earthquakes, significant. It's as if the earth is groaning in birth pains, ready to birth this new era era of how God relates to the earth and how God relates to people. It's as if the the earth is grieving the death of an old era. Like you think about judges, you think about um, kings, that is 400 year era shift taking place. And how many know when one era ends, like I'm going to use judges as an example, and another era begins, it's not like, oh, just nicely ends off. One and nice little bow tie on that, and let's all skip and woohoo. And then another era begins, and oh, this is just a walk in the park. How many know there is an overlap <laughs> where the old era is coming to an end and the new era is beginning, and that overlap era, era, that overlap area, sorry, that is like a gray zone of, oh, that ain't that ain't a walk in the park. That that's where the weather events take place, and that's and uh, that's where that's where the old system is dying out, and the new system is coming in. And I've been asking God, you know, like, man, there's so much. With COVID, what, what is going on? And I honestly believe we're in a major era shift right now where the old is dying. And I'm not talking seasons. I'm talking a new era in the body of Jesus for how God relates to the world and how God moves across the planet. I think we're in a new era. And now, in an, it's marked, these eras are marked by the anointing of the old era, which empowered it, and systems were built around it, and people and structures were made, and it was empowering it, where the anointing has left that. And so, those systems and those structures and those ways are still in place, but they don't have the power of the anointing to any more. Where does the anointing go in an era shift? Well, in the days of judges to kings, think about a young David who's prophesied that you will be king in the era of kings, no longer judges. Where does David find himself? 
but in a cave. The anointing was above ground and all the systems and the structures were above ground in the old, but the anointing is left and it goes underground, hidden in caves. When God is bringing in a new era, He brings that anointing underground in the hidden places. He brings people underground. Why? Because he's working on them, forging them, fashioning them, putting in them everything they need to step out in boldness into what it takes to lead out and be a part of the new. That's what we did with David. It's what we find when there's a major era. And, and it's like caves, seasons for people. In this last little season where we've been in a cave. But how many know God has been fashioning, forging, preparing in the hard times because he's doing something new. And because he's doing something new, he needs some people to take that new into the, into the new. And I, uh, uh, this, and so we find the anointing goes underground, which means God goes underground. Think of David in the cave of Adullam. So I think that the church has been in a cave season. Whew. I feel the anointing. Because God is preparing the church in the hidden places underground for the next. But it doesn't look like the old. We're in an era shift. We're in the gray zone. So I've been seeking God. All this rain, all these earthquakes, COVID. These aren't just everyday events. You know, COVID is like a one in a hundred year event. That Cyclone Gabriel, 16 billion. COVID, 60 billion at least it's cost. These are major events signaling shifting taking place on the planet. And so we find ourselves in a cave season as the church of New Zealand. And I've been asking, Lord, well, where's caves? Where's rain? Where's earthquakes? Where, where's storms? And it's led me to 1 Kings 19. So I'm going to read it. The backdrop of this is one of our favorite prophets, Elijah, one of the greatest prophets, Elijah, that has ever walked the planet is in a dark night of the soul. He, he, he is in a really um, mental health, struggling, suicidal thoughts. Um, he has been, he's just come from the greatest victory, something that he had been probably praying for for many years. And at the pinnacle ministry moment of his life is just taken place, and that is on Carmel, where he's seen God answered by fire on Mount Carmel, versus 450 prophets of Baal, unable to 
have their gods move. Elijah has triumphed in this, yet the problem is what he hoped would have happened when he reached his pinnacle ministry moment had not occurred and Israel had not turned. And he is in a dark night of the soul. Jezebel has just sent a message to him saying, I'm going to kill you, Elijah. And uh, Elijah, he's opened up a door into his life. Um, You know, like God never, uh, I don't normally say this in other churches, but I'll say this in this church. There's no scriptural reference for God uh, asking Elijah to murder 450 prophets of Baal. That was his decision. He was on the front row seat of a horror movie, a genocide that he instigated, that God never asked him to do it. You're trying to tell me that doesn't let some, something open up into your life. Elijah goes into suicide and depression, mental health. By the way, if you struggle with mental health, if you struggle with dark thoughts and hard times in your thoughts, you're in the company of Elijah. Elijah knows how that is. And he's running for his life. He flees Israel, goes into another nation, Judah, and then leaves the borders of Judah and runs. And then we'll pick up the story in verse 7. 19, verse 7. The angel of the Lord came again a second time. So we're in 1 Kings 19, verse 7. The angel of the Lord came again a second time, touched him, touched Elijah and said, Arise, eat, because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb the mountain of God. Horeb, the mountain of God, was Sinai. The mountain of God was not meant to be Sinai. The mountain of God was Sinai, but the mountain of God was meant to be Zion. David had captured Jerusalem, and Zion was was the place of worship, and it was the mountain of God, but the story of Israel and God, they had gone backwards into the wilderness. And... uh, then he came there to the cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord, which we know, the word of the Lord, John the Apostle has gone to painstaking lengths to share with us that the word of the Lord is none other than, come on, man, Jesus Christ comes to him. And he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? In the Hebrew translation, can also, it can also be translated, why? Why are you here, Elijah? Why are you here? He said, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the sons of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword, and I alone am left, and they seek my life to take it away. So he said, go forth and stand on the mountain before the Lord, and behold, the Lord was passing by. Now listen to this New Zealand who has been uh, exposed to earthquakes and storms. Listen to this, lean in on this, and behold, the 
the Lord was passing by and a great and strong wind was rending the mountains and breaking in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. All right. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. Now that's pretty hard news to hear as a prophet of fire. If your ministry is a fire ministry, it's pretty hard and confronting to hear on a mountain in a cave that the Lord is not in the fire. You've got to do some serious reassessing of your life and of your ministry. The Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire, a sound of a gentle blowing or the sound of a still, small whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. And behold, a voice came to him and said, this is the second time this voice says this, what? Are you doing here, Elijah? Why are you here, Elijah? This time it's a quieter voice. It's a still small voice. It's the same question asked a second time. Why are you here, Elijah? He, he gives the same response. Then the Lord said to him, verse 15, Go. Return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. When you have arrived, you shall anoint Hazael, king of Aram, and Jehu, the son of Nimshi. You shall anoint, and Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel, Mehola. You shall anoint as prophet in your place. Why? Right. I meant, to, I meant to finish pretty soon. So I just want to share one quick point with you. Why are you here, Elijah? Why are you here, Liberty? Why are you here, Andy? Why are you here? Why are you here? Why are you here? This is an invitation from the Lord Himself for some very good self-reflection, some very good self-awareness of His heart. Elijah, why are you here? in a cave season, in a tough season. These are great opportunities to hear the voice of the Lord speaking over you and saying, why? Why are you here? Now for me, um, why am I here? You know, Bethel Church New Zealand has been around for almost 13 years now. We just turned 12, coming up, we're 12 years old. And uh, yeah, it is so good. But Man, it was really tough for me. Speaking about Andy Piggott here, it was a tough season. felt like no matter what I chose, people were going to be like disappointed, hurt, like, and they're going to like uh, write about it and express it and vocalize like how bad a decision that I was making. And I tried everything I could to win as many through COVID, but you know what happened for us as Bethel, New Zealand, is we lost between 30 to 40% of our people and our, and our money, 
and our finances. It was really tough. Now, let me tell you something. Um, when I was a young man dreaming of revival in New Zealand for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours, and, hours, and dreaming of a church, not once in all of those hours of dreaming did I ever dream of leading a shrinking church. <laughs> oh yeah, revival, revival. Not once did I ever dream that 40% of people would be leaving my church. Well, not my church, Jesus' church, the one I get to serve and lead in. Not once. Yet, and, and then just a little bit about my life. Like on the personality tests, like one of them, I'm an achiever. It's my personality. I'm an achiever. I remember a teacher said to me, Andy, you can do whatever you want. You are so brilliant, he said. I, I was an A student. They, they moved me up one year. I'm not saying this to try and boast. I'm saying this so you let in on my world. They moved me up a year so I could do, I did seventh form maths back in the days of seventh form, of forms. When I was sixth form, I did seventh form science when I was sixth form because I, I was so good at it, an A student. Like they, I was expecting success in everything I did. So I signed up for Jesus' church. And, and there's 40% of my fear. Ah, and I'll tell you what, it hurts, man. It hurts. I'm built to achieve. I'm failing. It is painful. I'm failing according to the eyes of the world. That counts numbers and success. And I'm not saying that this is spiritual, Andy. This is just insecure and flesh, Andy, I'm letting you in on right now. It hurts. People say, oh, hey, Andy, did you notice that such and such hasn't been in church for a little while? Just want to make sure that you know that. I'm like, <laughs> did I notice? I haven't slept two nights because they haven't shown up. Did I notice? Ah! Like so much pain and agony. And I go and pray. And I hear the Lord say, why are you here, Andy? Well, I'm praying, God, because here I am, signed up for revival, move of God, salvation of souls, impacting our city, and it's not working. God, it's just not working. I'm in pain, God. Why, why are you here, Andy? I'm here praying, God, because something's not working. I'm in pain, Jesus, like the Elijah prophet. His responsibility, prophetic responsibility. It says here, he's, he lists off these three things. They've forsaken your covenants, God. Well, that was a prophetic responsibility to serve people so that they would honor the covenant. They've torn down your altars. They've, they've, not, they've got false The prophet's responsibility around pure worship. And they're killing your prophets, God. Prophet's responsibility to raise up prophets. These are deep things on the heart of a prophet. No wonder he's in pain on a mountain, feeling like it's not working, God. Why are you here, Elijah? I'm here, God, because it's not working, God.
Holy Spirit, why are you here? The Lord asks it a second time, quieter. The first time, it's pain. It's venting. The first time, it's like, God, I'm here. It's hurting. I'm here with you. I haven't gone the way of alcohol and substance addiction. I haven't gone the way of turning away from you, but God, it's still sore in my heart. And I had many sleepless nights over COVID because of the pain of longing for fruit and seeing the opposite. Why are you here, Andy? Why are you here, Kevin? Why are you here? But see, I think that the Lord asks that question twice. And I am going to finish. Trust me, I'm going to finish. I'm not trying to make one point. That's all I'm trying to make. He asks that question twice because there's two parts to that question. Why are you here surface pain? I'm engaging with you, God, because I need help. This is not working. Help me. I have learned how to use pain as fuel for the secret place for intimacy with God. Pain can't hurt me anymore. It does hurt me. Pain can't render me null and void because I can take it as fuel in the secret place to feed into intimacy with the Lord. We all must learn this. But there's why you hear part one surface because of venting, 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 venting. Why are you here part two? Because at the end of the venting, if you're still here, at the end of the pain, if you're still here and the Lord asks that question this time quieter, you will have found that there is something on the inside of you that has not let go. And my goodness, I can feel the anointing of God. I can feel the anointing of God in the room right now. You have stayed in that place of engagement with the Lord, even when it hasn't working. And then there's been pain and you've been venting to God. Why are you here, Andy? Oh, I'm here, God, because that person left and that person left and they, they said that thing and that whole church is gossiping about me now and that pastor looks at me really funny and Chris Valentin thinks I'm a loser and oh my goodness, God, I'm here. Why are you here, Andy? When you finish the venting, you find that there is something still on the inside of you. Why are you here? I am here because of the burning purposes of God that I, I find still after all that other gunk and stuff and pain is gone, there is still an absolute solid sense of calling and destiny that no matter what I do, I cannot shake. I am here because you have called me, God, and you are still here 
because you have sat with God and you've shared with God and you've vented with God and you've expressed pain to God, but you've found that there's something deep on the inside of you that will not let you go. There is a belief, there is a sense of destiny and a sense of calling that you just cannot shake Why are you here? It's because you are called of God. You're still standing. You've been through fire. You've been through the earthquake. You've been through the wind and you've been through the storms. And here you still are. Why are you here? Because God has surely called you Liberty Church. That is why you are here. Engage with that question. See what you discover. Feel the fire and keep going. And then, by the way, Elijah He wrapped his face in the mantle. He felt the mantle. He he experienced the mantle. He he covered his head, his ears, his eyes, his face was wrapped in in the calling of God. And the destiny of God that was upon his life. And the sounds of the earthquake and the fire and the wind and the distractions. 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 That's what they are, is drowned out, is muffled down because of the mantle of the call of God upon your life in this room. And the mantle and the voice of the Lord, they line up and they unify. And this is what they say, go and empower others. Go and raise up others. Elijah This was the pinnacle moment in his ministry, in this discovery of the why and the embedding of the why and God asking him the why and him discovering, oh, yeah, 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 it is the call of God. It is the call of God. And that discovery of the why, he hears the mantle. He enters into a pinnacle moment in his life. He'd been the hero in the story all up to that moment. But then God is causing a major shift to take place. And he's going to enter into his greatest moment. Go and empower others. Quit being the hero of the story. Start being the hero maker. Start raising up others. Don't you realize the mantle is not just for you. The mantle is to supernaturally empower others so that they would enter into their God story, into their God anointing, into their God destiny. I'm sharing this over this house because you are a house that would use the supernatural mantle of heaven that God has placed upon you to raise up a generation, to enter into their calling. This is what you are. This is who you are. You have stood the test of why are you here? And you've discovered like Elijah for divine purpose. You've stayed with the question and allowed it to burn in you. And I need to stop. So I'm stopping. Just stand up. Why don't you just place your hand upon your heart and I'm going to pray. Wonderful, loving Father, you're in the house, you're in the room, you're here. God, I thank you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you for a a church that's been uh, like Elijah in the footsteps of uh, a prophetic community, in the footsteps of, of the prophetic journey, God, because this church has been supernaturally led by the Spirit of God.
And so, Father, they have been willing to go with you into the cave and wrestle with the question of why are we here? And God, they have come through. And Jesus, there comes time when it's time to leave the cave and enter out into destiny, enter out into the next phase, God. And so, Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for what you have forged. And you've been forging in a people and in a community through trial and through hard time, God. You've been fashioning and forming and preparing for a new thing, God, that will sweep through this nation. And you've chosen this house. And so, God, I pray for the anointing. I ask for the presence of God to come. In the name of Jesus, let your presence come. Let people wrap their faces in the call of God that is upon their life. And let them hear it in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Well, I love you and God bless you. I guess we need to officially close church. But even though we're officially closed, it would be my joy to pray for anyone that would like to receive prayer because of anything that resonated with you in that word. I love you, and God bless you. You've got what it takes. Make a difference. Amen. Yeah.